Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Hi, everyone. We hope you are making it through another Tuesday morning. Thank you so much for starting your morning with us at Meanwhile in Memphis. From the latest updates on the economy of our city with April Childs Potter from the Memphis Chamber to uplifting the next generation of the tech workforce with Aaron Johnson and Keila Jones from Code Crew, it's going to be a good one. So let's get started. All right, April is in studio with us, and she is the Chief Marketing Officer at the Greater Memphis Chamber. She is a New Memphis LDI graduate and has nearly 20 years of experience, you know, translating customer and business insights into powerful brand strategies and product innovations. Welcome, April. It's good to have you back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, how have you been? Great. Uh, Ready to get to the end of 2020. Uh, aren't we all? <laughs> I can't even believe it. Yeah, no. It, it, it feels unbelievable in some ways that it's already mid-November, and yet also I'm like, how how is this still 2020? Seriously, it was like March felt forever because we all got sent home, and and then it was the rest of the time just passed. Like, why is it the holiday season now? I don't understand. It's gone fast and slow at the same time. Yes, and I, am, I wasn't Quantum prepared. Quantum physics cannot explain. <laughs> Yes. Um, this is now a podcast dedicated to quantum physics. Um, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. <laughs> no. We made my nerdy thing even nerdier. <laughs> Good job, guys. I can do that so well. <laughs> um, so there's a lot going on at the chamber right now. You guys have a lot of things I've been seeing in the news. I saw you guys announced your new Young Memphis class of 2020. Can you kind of give us some, you know, word about what that is and kind of what that means for you guys? Absolutely. So Young Memphis is actually celebrating its 10th year this year, I believe. Um, And so that's really exciting. Young Memphis is a designation that we uh, established about a decade ago, hence the 10 years. (laughs) Uh, And the idea was there are all of these really talented people in some of the companies that you don't always hear about. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not always um, front and center. And so we wanted to really tease out and elevate some of those young Memphians who are really contributing not just to their community, but also really doing well in their careers and contributing significantly to the businesses in which they work. And so normally we have 10 honorees. This year, we had an unprecedented number of applications. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the pandemic benefits is that people were <laughs> Everyone has time to really apply. <laughs> paying attention and able to nominate the best and brightest from their companies. So yeah. because of that, we ended up with 12 honorees this year. Oh, wow. So we sort of got one for every month of this extremely yeah. long year. That we I want to see the young Memphis calendar. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll be a fundraiser for next year. So we're really excited about that. Normally, we... Um, we feature them in a magazine. This year, we're doing everything vir- – and we do yeah. a little a luncheon. This year, we did everything virtually. We had a happy hour via Facebook, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, really got to cele- celebrate them and elevate them. And then we're also featuring each of them on our um, TV show, which is called Memphians on the Move, which airs on Channel 24. No, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. It's really, is that so- a weekly program or – it is uh, not weekly. It is a couple of times a month, and it okay. airs on Sundays, I believe. Well, I'll get you guys the information yeah, so you can share cool. it out. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It, so, like, speaking of the Young Memphis, if you do you self-nominate or are you nominated by your work? 
Typically, people are nominated by someone um, in their office okay. or their organization. Uh, we've had board members. We have a, actually a lot of chamber board members nominate people in both their companies or in nonprofits whose boards they serve on. Uh, we have people nominate their coworkers. So it's typically a nomination from someone else. Oftentimes, we'll tell someone they've been awarded and they don't even know that no, they've they been were nominated, nominated, which is a really, really nice surprise. Love that. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's such a lovely, you know, of course, New Memphis is always excited to celebrate. You know, it's not because young talent is better than other talent. But as you said, they're often the ones that don't necessarily get the spotlight and aren't the ones that are constantly quoted about, um, you know, what's happening in their companies or what's new. But they're often shaping the culture of companies. And, um, you know, one thing that we're trying to celebrate frequently uh, in our city is how much access and influence we give young people here and how we are trying to open doors. And this is a city where you can really matter at any age and you can kind of be invited into important circles and have an opinion at important tables, whether that be a business setting, a nonprofit setting, a you know public sector sec- setting. So we, we're always looking for this issue every year because we love to, to recycle that content and share it out to our folks because we just see lots of amazing faces of what we know are going to be Memphis's future leaders um, and we say that future leaders, but they're leaders today. Absolutely. Yeah. So some of our nominees are are in really big, important jobs. They all are. But there's some really great talent that has already really ascended that ladder and is in a real leadership position. But I think to your point, Anna, one of the things that we're always encouraged and excited about when we get nominations each year is that it's in some cases, certainly a coworker is nominating someone, but more times than not, it is a C-suite executive yeah. making that nomination, which really speaks to your point about the access in Memphis. We have a lot of company leadership across a really diverse set of companies that are invested in the young talent in their organization. And I don't know that you find that in every city. No, I mean, I, I hear that a lot echoed from the young people that come through our programs that when you when you know, we're always asking folks like, what do you love about Memphis? Why are you here? Like, what is it that makes Memphis magnetic for you? And one of the frequent refrains is, I'm so impressed with the way in which I'm given opportunity here. And, you know, my age is not a barrier. And that's the way I look at it. Like, why discriminate? <laughs> you know, if you see this great talent, you see what they're capable of, why not immediately sort of start to give them that opportunity and put them in places where they can be making a greater impact. So I love to see that both, you know, I, I feel like we see that in Memphis, both again, in our businesses who really celebrate and, and trust young talent, but also in our other institutions that I think look to young people and appreciate that, you know, it's not just that they're great talent, but they have, they have fresh ideas and they're looking at the world in a slightly different way. And um, they're able to, you know, from a business perspective, they're able to bring a unique point of view that can be really valuable, both from an operations perspective, like how do you how do you attract and retain young talent? Like, well, who better to ask? Um, but also, I think from like a brand perspective and just, you know, thinking about how we operate. So absolutely. Well, that's exciting. So how can people uh, read more about these 12 amazing individuals? That's a great question. So we are featuring them across our social media channels. Most most of our social media channels are at Memphis Chamber. Um, so you can follow us that way. So you can see all of the great profiles and get really in-depth Q&As. We will repost the Memphians, Memphians on the Move episode when that is out. Um, and then you can... Um, Look on our website at memphischamber.com, and you can see in our Momentum blog, there will be features with each of the of the award or honorees there as well. 
fabulous. Awesome. Well, as young-ish talent, mm-hmm. I still qualify as a young professional, but I'm on that cusp <laughs> at this point. Um, I'm really grateful to like people like you guys who do things like this. Memphis Flyer, who does the 20 under 30 um, type of situation. Like I think recognizing young talent and telling them not necessarily that they're important, but what they're doing matters, I think is kind of something that we definitely can always use more of. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that our city does a really good job of that across the board. I mean, I, I like to think we're doing a good job of it. And uh, we talked about this last time, but we have a, a YP council, Young Professionals mm-hmm. Council that hosts events. And one of the things that we get constant feedback about with that is that they love the access that they get to those C-suite leaders. I actually have one to go to later today yes, with Kevin Woods. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, again, I think that while i Love that the chamber gets credit for doing this type of work, and it's wonderful. I think as a community, we do a really good job of really elevating our young people um, and giving them that recognition they deserve and and listening to their ideas um, and and giving those opportunities. So I think that's one of the things that really makes Memphis unique. Yeah, I love it. And like just kind of segueing into that workforce, you guys hosted your Upskill Summit very recently, correct? We did. This is the second year of our very ambitious Upskill 901 initiative, which was designed to really start to help align the talent ecosystem. So um, in lots of communities, there are great training programs and great education programs that are maybe churning out graduates and trainees. They aren't always aligned to the job opportunities in the market. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that um, we've been working to, to do is to really create more alignment in our in our environment, not just for the jobs that we have today, but making sure that we're aligning to the jobs that we want to attract in the future. You heard me last time talk about this real focus on quality job attraction and quality job creation. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants Memphis to have more high-paying jobs, more family-sustaining jobs, Well, in order for us to continue to attract and grow those jobs, we've got to make sure we're delivering a pipeline of talent. Yes. So Upskill 901 was really a community-based initiative that we're we're helping steward, but that we're really leading a group of stakeholders in to guide that alignment and really help make sure that we're delivering the type of workforce that can, you know, can fulfill those quality jobs in the future. So we did this virtually. Last year, this was a two-day event. Um, at the University of Memphis, and then uh, we had a job fair associated with it. Afterwards, this year, like everything else yes. in 2020, um, it was all virtual. And so we shifted the focus a little bit uh, of day one, or we just did it all in one day this year. But the focus was to really begin to offer some education, some insights, and some real idea sharing. Uh, so we had about four and a half hours of different sessions, different speakers talking um, on a really wide range of topics from really talking about how we can engage more skills-based hiring in our market, which is a really important trend for Memphis to take advantage of, where we're not just looking at the experience and the degrees and the the training only that people have, but really honing in on what types of transferable skills can we see in an individual in their employment history, and how can we begin to shift that that particular worker to a new opportunity, maybe a higher paying opportunity. It's kind of some new thinking, but we've really been working with community partners to roll that out. It's really critical in a time like this where there's a healthcare crisis where you know, we lost a lot of hospitality jobs. Those hospitality workers are certainly qualified for other hospitality jobs. But what if we could take some of those skills that you learn in the hospitality industry and begin to transfer those skills into jobs that are currently in demand? So we did a lot of workshopping around that. 
as well as lots of other topics. Uh, brought in lots of community partners to talk about the work they're doing and really had a, I think, really informative and collaborative event. All online. <laughs> <laughs> That's 2020. So tell us, you know, in it, you guys have done such a great job of being the convener of, and as you said, I think um, in Memphis, I've loved to see over the last, you know, five plus years, uh, a greater level of collaboration across, whether that be, you know, individual nonprofits who are working on workforce, obviously folks um, in in government and pseudo government entities who are thinking about workforce, um, but also our local companies who are doing a lot of work to, you know, hopefully train the workforce that they want to see. Um, so what are, who are those partners that were participating and kind of who are the key players that are being welcomed in to sort of have this conversation and be in dialogue together. Well, first of all, I want to kind of shout out appropriately um, our chairman, Willie Gregory from Nike, and then, of course, our fearless leader and CEO, Beverly Robertson, um, and Ernest Strickland, who runs our mm -hmm. um, our uh, workforce development and talent team. Really, they had this vision last year that we would um, begin to sort of engage not just the nonprofit and the public sector, but really start to get the corporate world engaged mm -hmm. and at the table together with these training partners um, to think about these bigger ideas of, of collaboration. Um, Willie Gregory likes to say, I want to see all the ships sailing in the same direction, mm -hmm. which can be a tongue twister, but um, <laughs> is really important, especially in a market of our size where we've got to kind of compete in a little bit of a different way. So being really aligned helps make us much stronger um, than some of our peers. And so uh, there are all kinds of folks at this table. We actually have, um, Ernest is going to be really mad at me for not remembering every one of these. I can <laughs> tell you. Um, but we have five different pillars that are involved. So there's an education pillar. Uh, there's a nonprofit pillar. There is um, a business pillar. And there are other pillars that I cannot remember <laughs> off the top of my head. But, right but now. you can find them on the Chamber's website. <laughs> yes, you can find them on the Chamber's website and we do update them um, and we do provide updates to them regularly. But some of these pillars have as many as 30 or 40 organizations involved in the work. And so they've spent the last year really collaborating on their different plans and the different things that those different groups are doing to uh, be able to um make sure that they're filling the gaps. So, you know, the faith-based pillar and the opportunity youth pillar. Look at you. Okay, there we go. Um, so take, take a moment. Step back. It's there. good. I know it. Yes. Um, <laughs> so helping them get together and collaborate and, and talk about what they're doing, share ideas. In some of the cases, these people, these groups, these individual organizations were getting together regularly. Mm -hmm. I will tell you one of the most moving things that I experienced in our, in our first Upskill 901 session was, um, I believe there was a group convened around recidivism and it became very clear through the conversation that there were some law enforcement officials in the room and that that maybe some of the organizations that work on recidivism had not had the opportunity to be in the room with some of the law enforcement hmm. folks that were in the room. And so they started talking about issues like, you know, parole officers don't have standardized scheduling requirements. And so what happens is you have someone who has come out of jail and they, you know, if they finally get a job, but then they have to meet with their parole officer. Mm -hmm. So they may be having to meet with their parole officer during a time where they're at work. They don't have an option to reschedule. So they have to walk off a work site, which just creates this mm -hmm. perpetual issue. So these are the kinds of problems when you get these people in the room together, they can start to solve. Um, and I think that we've made some really big strides in some of these areas to help address some of the 
the things that may, you know, we might not ever think about, but there are really big hindrances to building up our workforce. That's just one example, but there are lots and lots. And so there's significant benefit of getting these folks together regularly and having them um, have conversations and just collaborate. I mean, to your point, you know, earlier, um, I think culturally Memphis has done a lot of things really well. Collaboration isn't historically one of them. Mm. Um, I think more because everybody's just, you know, passionate and doing their own thing. But I think generationally, one of the benefits of some of this younger leadership coming in has been this really intense refocus on how we can all work together to achieve goals. And I think you're starting to see that in the workforce space and in lots of other spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the carrot for all of this like collaboration is it benefits everybody collectively. So if you're a company and you, you know, if you're Willie Gregory and you're trying to get the workforce that you need to make sure that Nike is successful, it it makes sense for you to collaborate with the University of Memphis and Southwest and others who are can be imbuing the skills <laughs> that you need in the workforce. Um, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we just forget that those conversations, you know, we take for granted that those conversations are happening and that everybody understands where the barriers exist and whether that be around, um, you know, that's a perfect example of just like a, a small kind of hitch that can really, can really disrupt things. Yeah. You know, we, we work a lot in the uh, education space. And so just seeing the, getting to connect employers to those who are educating whether that be, uh, you know, tech training or college work, those who are training their workforces, like you guys should be in dialogue because if you're using this technology or this software, like this is the way in which you do your work and you guys have, you know, you're hiring 100 people a year on average or 50 people a year on average, go talk to those people who are training your workforce because they want them to get jobs too because, you know, it, it benefits the University of Memphis wants every graduate to go get a job. We want every graduate to go get a job at Memphis. And every company in Memphis wants to have the workforce trained and kind of knocking on their door when they're finished with school. So I think that's an important role that you guys play. And I love that this that this summit sort of brings all of those pillars together and invites people in just to have those conversations. And it's pretty rare. I, I would say, you know, it. I think it seems to all of us like, oh, of course, you'll just get everybody together and have a dialogue. <laughs> And it's quite unusual. I mean, so much I so agree. that um, our upskill initiative is has been modeled by a couple of other cities. Um, our workforce mm-hmm. team has actually been quite sought after in the last six months to go share with other economic development organizations yeah. in other regions how they got folks at the table together and and how they started creating these community collaborations. And and a lot of that we certainly have helped steer. But it's because we have committed community partners and we have committed government partners and we have committed educational and faith partners who've been willing to do what it takes to help, you know, change things and and make things different. And to the point about having educators talk to the trainers, you know, it seems once you have the aha moment and recognize that that needs to happen, you're like, oh, of course. But we do kind of assume that those conversations are happening. And I think it's just it's. They're, they do and they happen a little bit. But when you start to put some structure around it and you start to make it a regular cultural way of being in our market, it has a transformational impact. And I think, you know, a year from now, we've got to get through this current healthcare <laughs> crisis. But I think a year from now, you're going to see Memphis so well positioned for explosive growth. Lots of talent ready to go. Lots of attraction because 
we've lined these things up and we've been working on them behind the scenes as a market. And and that's going to really pay dividends when we come out of this. No, yeah. I love the way that you frame that. It is a cultural shift. It's a mindset shift. And I think, um, again, it takes a leader like the chamber that has influence in a lot of different spheres and has great, great leaders from a board level and a chairman circle level to say, okay, like, Let's get everybody in line um, because it's such a huge opportunity. So that's that's exciting. And we're excited. You know, we New Memphis wants to be supportive of that work. And I, I'm excited to have it come back in person next year. I know it's challenging, but we're all we're all dealing with that. Yeah. Yes. Well, in our last few minutes together, tell us what else is new at the chamber. I know we've, despite 2020 and its abysmal reputation, we have had some good news. Some great things are coming. So tell us what else is new at the chamber. Absolutely. I would say in many ways in this year that so much has been unpredictable and crazy, we've also had some huge wins and great successes. I think that from an economic attraction perspective, Memphis is very hot. We are still getting interest and people are looking at our market. We've really elevated um, in terms of the types of lists that we're showing up on. Mm -hmm. We're hearing from different types of economics development professionals and site selectors that are interested in taking a look at Memphis that maybe didn't have a rosy impression of us before. They're really starting to see more. There's a real focus now on the importance of diversity and inclusion in site selection. And so I think that we're definitely at the top of that list when companies are thinking about places where they can go and also uh, tap into a really diverse workforce. And we've done a good job of telling that story and we're going to continue to tell that story. So I think that's really exciting. Um, Along that lines, along those lines, (laughs) along those lines, um, Memphis was selected as one of three markets uh, to participate in Brookings Institution's Inclusive Economic Indicators Lab. We found out about that in March, just as things were starting to get crazy. Um, but we have um, partnered, the Chamber's partnered with Innovate Memphis and uh, Building Memphis okay. in that project, which is a unique partnership. The other um, markets that are represented are just Chamber folks. Okay. Um, and so the other markets are Indianapolis and Orlando. And hmm. the purpose of that lab, uh, it was ideated in the largest economic expansion in history uh, because things were going really well for the past decade. Um, But the notion was, how can we help cities look at the underlying indicators they need to track to make sure that economic growth and prosperity is reaching into every neighborhood in their market and that it's really reaching across racial and gender and all the all the different lines so that there can truly be prosperity for all in a market. So uh, when COVID hit, we made a quick shift. And so the idea of the lab is is still very much how can we be inclusive, but how can we also make sure our recovery is inclusive? Mm. And so what you'll start to see um, rolling out in the beginning of 2021 is a really comprehensive dashboard that looks at our market um, in sort of three different layers, both the people version of things. What do we need to make sure that people have, have um, so that they can be successful the enablers portion of things. What does our economy need to be doing? What tools and training and and skills need to be available for people to access, for them to be able to access opportunity? And then what are those outcomes? And we'll be um, rolling that out with a set of really detailed data sets uh, for nerds like me who get into that. (laughs) Um, But we'll really help both community level leaders, so CDC leaders and others, as well as business leaders Think about and and focus on the kinds of 
numbers that we need to really address, the types of indicators we really need to address to begin to make significant change in that inclusivity. So I'll share more about that as it begins to roll out, but we're really excited about that project. So what is the time frame for that project? Uh, so we, uh, this lab was supposed to be a year long. We truncated it to try to get, <laughs> um, to get something done um, before the end of the year. That resulted in us feeling like we were all taking a college semester <laughs> <Yes>. course <laughs> in economics. So um, long story short is we think that will pop, that you'll start to see that roll out at the beginning of, uh, start to see that roll out in Q1 of 2021. Okay. That is exciting. I like. I mean, as we're trying to always focus on um, where the opportunity and where the potential lives for Memphis, knowing that we do have an incredibly diverse workforce and we have access to so much diverse talent that we can be training and bringing into these spaces, I think it's exciting to hear that that nationally eyes are on us. And Absolutely, that that, that can be framed as. Um, an opportunity. And well, I, I love well I would, I'll just do one more quick plug on that point. Please. Memphis is also one of very few metros where our population of young people is growing. There are new births happening mm-hmm. in, in Memphis at a rate higher than a lot of other metropolitan areas. And that is a really significant economic indicator of potential for a market. And so if we can harness that talent and harness that, that young population and begin to get them you know, access to all the things that they need to be economically successful, it can really completely shift the trajectory of our market for the future. And I think we're doing some important things right now as a market that are going to help make that possible. I think that's why I get so excited to have you here with us is because you really get to dig into the economic development of Memphis, but those having those crucial conversations, convening people together on the corporate and interpersonal levels, I think that is the key way that our city is going to innovate and move forward. And it makes me very excited as like a younger person to hear those things that are happening behind the scenes that, you know, I might not know um, or be privy to. So I'm very grateful that you come talk with us about all of these. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, and I appreciate you caring about these important, slightly nerdy uh, data points. <laughs> I care that about I like all things about. nerdy. Right. It's okay. Economic development. It's, it's, it's more important than anyone thinks. It's, it is very important. It it's, is absolutely critical. When we talk about the prosperity of our community, like this is these are the numbers that matter, and this is the strategies that work. So we're excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon. Back at uh, probably in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Stay tuned for more updates from the Greater Memphis Chamber. April, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Have a good day. In Memphis, we always keep things fresh while staying true to our roots. And our green spaces are worth bragging about. Did you know that Shelby Farms Park is five times larger than New York City's Central Park and with a lot more to do? Memphis is also well above the national average in how many trees line our streets and fill our parks. There's a lot to celebrate about our city. Visit newmemphis.org to turn your love of Memphis into action. All right, we have Keila Jones with us, Director of Advancement and Strategic Communications with Code Crew. Code Crew is an organization that is working to change Memphis with programs that focus on, you know, trying to help ensure students are taught the principles of information and computation, how digital systems work, and that they, you know, learn this knowledge and use it through programming and software development concepts. 
Welcome, Keila, to the studio today. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about Code Crew's work. What you guys do is so important, um, but I want them to hear it from you. For our listeners who may not know what Code Crew is, kind of give us a little bit of backstory about the mission of Code Crew and kind of what the work you guys do in the Memphis community. Okay. Code Crew is a nonprofit that was started to assist adults. Well, initially it was started to assist youth, and then we grew to assist adults to um, educate and empower them with computer science education. And so we initially launched in 2015 through support from the Grizzlies Foundation. They had redone the Leicester Community Center and wanted specific computer programming inside of the computer lab that they had redone. And they were adamant that they just did not want the kids going in there just <laughs> doing YouTube and that sort of thing. They wanted actual programming. And so our founders, Meka Agwekwe, who is our executive director, Petia Grady, as well as Audrey Willis, got together and formed Code Crew to um, make sure that students most underrepresented in tech have an opportunity to learn computer science. That has grown to where we're now supporting adults as well. Wow. In 2018, we launched Memphis's first full-time coding boot camp for software development. It's a six-month program, and it's designed to train individuals in computer science, software development, and help them secure employment full-time, earning at least $50,000. And as you ladies know, in Memphis, that goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is like right in our wheelhouse because New Memphis is, of course, thinking about the talent pool and workforce. And we're just adamant that we've got to be forward thinking. So it's not just how do we get somebody in a job today, but it is looking forward to what are the jobs of the future? What, you know, what, where are the jobs in five years and in 10 years? And so this work, having it be, uh, you know, I love the work so much and I love that it was originated and created and innovated by Memphians here in Memphis. Um, and that it was built for the community that, that you're serving. So it, I know that there are some national programs that certain cities have imported, but I love that this is homegrown. Um, tell us about your impact. How many people do you work with every year? Um, and I also, you know, for those out there listening, how can people get involved? Mm -hmm. if they're interested in learning about computer science. Absolutely. So we serve on the K through 12 side, about 500 to 600 kids a week. Oh, wow. When you add in the exposure events that we do, so our Hour of Code, our Hackathon, and any other ancillary exposure events, we serve about 2,000 um, individuals total. Coupling that with our code school where we can serve up to 25 people per cohort. And so Parents that are interested in their young people learning how to code, be it the youngest age of five all the way up to your seniors in high school, we have programming for you. We do an hour of code, which is our next one is December 12th. We partner and pair along with the National Hour of Code for that week where we celebrate coding. And on that Saturday, our young people will come together virtually and they will be able to learn um on a platform called Coder Z. I actually, our team actually had a staff meeting last Friday <laughs> and we actually all got to participate with Coder Z and use this online virtual robotics program where you're taking a robot and you're literally inside of an Amazon fulfillment warehouse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you get to take this robot and fulfill orders and you have to put a code in 
to let the robot navigate through the the warehouse and avoid other pillars and things like that. And so as a staff, we got to do that on Friday. And then we had some homework. And <laughs> I did that over the weekend. So it's a really fun um, atmosphere and platform for young people to learn how to code and then even get to see inside of Amazon. And especially with them having a, f- a facility here um, in the near future. So mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah, very cool. The future is so cool. Like, just <laughs> listening. I mean, there's so many things on the horizon. And I think the fact that we have it in Memphis is so great. So I kind of just want to ask you, you know, what is unique about Memphis that you notice having this here? Like, what is the benefit of having something like Crow, Crow Crew, <laughs> Code Crew in this landscape? I think it's the fact that demographically, we have an opportunity to change the landscape of two things. One, bringing tech to the South. And the second thing is eradicating the diversity issues that Silicon Valley and, and the East Coast are experiencing when it comes to tech. Memphis is primed for that. We have about 65 to 67 percent African-American population here. And so if we can tap into that demographic, we have an opportunity to change what tech looks like. And it also highlighting from an event we had last night with our friends from CS for All, we have the opportunity to provide kids with people who look like them in tech. That exposure is absolutely necessary. Yes, Kids want to be what they see. And if they don't see someone that looks like them doing coding, they won't ever want to do it. And so Code Crew is very primed and positioned to change that landscape on both of those fronts. Yeah, that's such an excellent point that it, it is about you know awareness of career paths and in helping students see that this this could be a place where they have aptitude, but it's also a place where they have opportunity. And seeing their seeing themselves reflected in those leaders is is so key. So you know, I uh, I did not grow up necessarily in a in a tech savvy world, but I know that our kids today are. So I'm curious, you know, children growing up in a world where they know how to work technology already from a very young age. Um, how how do you take what they already know and this you know sort of meeting them where they're at whether that's because they have a phone or they're using certain apps or whatever that is and how do you how does that inf- inspire or influence the way that you guys approach the work i think we allow our our young people to kind of lead the way like youth voice in the work that we do um they are powerful tools in their own little way and when they can take something that we're doing and add their own spin and twist to it, it gives it that added bonus and that added benefit. Most of our young people have partnered with our friends over at Alsac St. Jude. We have a, a very core group over there that works with the innovation team. Shout out to them that work with our teens. And this is a group of young people that have taken patient artwork and added AR to it and bring and it brings that artwork to life. Hmm. And 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 this is this is transformational because it it gives that patient something new from something they've designed, but it also gives a gift to the city because you can go around and you can scan with a QR code. You can and using the the I think it's the 311 app maybe. You can use that app and you can see that patient's artwork come to life. So it's hmm. an added benefit to visitors of Memphis even outside of the walls of St. Jude. So it's things like that and and how our young people are adding benefit to Memphis as a city. 
Very cool. Yeah, no, I think that's super cool and so innovative. And I just, you know, Memphis is because of people like you guys, you know, hopefully one day we are innovators in the tech sector. And so what is kind of your hope for us in the future? Like, what do you see five, 10, 15 years from now, like your hope for Memphis as a tech? My hope for Memphis, I think, from a tech standpoint is to continue the work that make us started traveling to Nashville, advocating for legislation and continuing to see the state move to a place where tech and computer science education is just as important as your regular math class. Yes. Um, Making sure that we're competitive with our our neighbors in Arkansas and Mississippi. Like we shouldn't always be last to do something. And right now, before this legislation, we were last. Every single state that bordered us had some form of computer science education according to code.org. Up until this past year, we were last. We got to stop being last on certain (laughs) lists. (laughs) And so I think my hope is that Computer science becomes second nature. It, be, it Starting kids in kindergarten, doing things like Scratch Junior. Um, I'm not sure if you ladies caught our CS for All commitment showcase last night, but we had Mitch Resnick who invented Scratch oh, wow. on, on the showcase last night. And so it's things like exposure at a younger age is how you change and, and increase the knowledge of our young people at an earlier age. It's just like exposing them to a second language early on. Mm. This is the same thing. Computer science is a second language. Coding is a second language. If we can teach them that early on, they're prepared for those 21st century careers much sooner than you or I were. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I coded my MySpace page. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what other, you know, we, of course, always want to focus on what is possible and and the positive. But um, I know that they're, you know, identifying the barriers is sort of mm-hmm. a first step in that. So what needs what else needs to change in, in Memphis and in Tennessee? Uh, you know, where, where do we need to be aggressive as we think about the next again, as Christy said, thinking about a five, 10 year landscape? Um, where are those obstacles and, and what do we do to overcome them? I think truly realizing that the jobs of tomorrow are going to be automated. Literally, Amazon is using Roblox mm-hmm. to, to get a piece, an order that you place today, they're using a robot to go get it off of a pillar, bring it down, one person gets it and puts it in a bin. Like, robots are going to start replacing us, and if you're trained on how to operate the robot, you, you then have a job because somebody has to tell that robot how to maneuver within the warehouse. And those are the, the jobs and the trainings that we need to continue promoting and pushing. And so I think five, 10 years from now, we're going to see that shift happen. And Memphis needs to be at the forefront of it or we're going to get left behind. I definitely agree. Like hearing you say that statement about like the robot, it's both like, I'm, I'm like, that's so cool. And then I'm like, wait, that's <laughs> also very <laughs> scary. Yes. I'm like, movies start out this way. Guys. <laughs> <They> <laughs> like, it's just kind of, I love that you guys focus on what you just said. You know, somebody's got to operate that robot. So it's not necessarily like 
eradicating jobs. They're just shifting the type of jobs that are going to become available. And you guys are striving to give these kids what they need to be able to keep up with that thriving job market. Um, And that's super, super impressive. Um, Mm -hmm. Exciting news, though, you guys were recently awarded $50,000 from Verizon to help the kids, you know, continue to learn about computer science. What are you guys going to do with that grant and all the fun things? How are you going to spend it? Tell me. (laughs) So the plan is to use that funding to do a couple of things. We we definitely want to expand our after school offerings to schools that have wanted us, but maybe don't have the funding to, su- to support our work coming into their mm-hmm. school. So the plan is to potentially add two to four more after school programs that are paid for for the spring semester. And then also with us being virtual, our robotics program has completely had it's had to shift. Yeah. And so our young people don't have the opportunity to use the Sphero Bolts, which is the small little round robot that you can program with your phone or a tablet or an iPad. They don't have the option to, to use that equipment right now because we're not in person. So the plan is to also use some of that funding to purchase Sphero Bolts that we can then send to our students, just like we deployed laptops with the, the gift from Mike Conley. We want to deploy robotics equipment so that our students have something that they can learn on while at home. So that it's not all just on the computer. So that's what the funding is going to be used for. It's exciting stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, we always ask our, our nonprofit friends in, in this year of 2020, how has COVID changed your work? Um, Are there specific needs for those listening? Uh, What can they do to help support Code Crew to help make sure that your work sustains? So our work has, just like most everyone, shifted to being virtual. We are still doing our in-school, after-school programming virtually. We are doing our exposure events virtually, hackathon, everything has just shifted to being totally online. Our adult program, Code Crew Code School, is also totally online. We always need support of the Code School program with our students. If we can get individuals to come in and do mock interviews virtually, um, if we can get help with resume critiques, that's always useful. Um, Being in a virtual environment, our volunteer needs are a little bit different than normal. I actually had a call with Facebook today about some volunteering. And so it's a little bit different just because we may not need as many volunteers right now. However, we're always need of support for our programming from a funding standpoint. And literally it costs $10 for a student to participate in our K through 12 program. And so that's the hour code, that's the hackathon, that's their after school program fee. We don't charge any more than that. And so for the adult program, it cost a student $12,000 to participate in that program. And so we're always looking for sponsors to help lessen the cost so that students can participate. Number one, it's a full-time program. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to have a job because they're with us from nine to five, Monday through Friday for six months. So having that, that extra support of not having to worry about paying for their tuition, those types of things are definitely needed during these times to help increase our recruitment. If you know of a student that you think would be a great fit for this program, they've always liked computers and coding and that sort of thing, but they've never been able to find a program that they could participate in. Suggest it, nominate them. We welcome nominations all the time. 
we're actually recruiting for the next cohort. It starts in January. Um, and so that's another option. We also have a part-time program that students can apply to participate in if they are working. And so if you've ever wanted to code, you want to, as Microsoft says, reskill, retool, <laughs> this is an opportunity for you to learn a second language and learn computer science through our part-time program as well. Awesome. Where do they, like if people listening want to, their kids want to get involved or as adults, they want to participate in the program, um, do they just go to the website? How do they try to get in. <laughs> Absolutely. So our website is www.code-crew.org. That's www.code-crew.org. You can always follow us on our social media at underscore code crew. That's for Twitter. That's also Facebook, Instagram as well. <laughs> <laughs> All the things. All of the things. <laughs> Well, Keila, thank you so much for joining us. Again, we had Keila Jones here, the Director of Advancement and Strategic Communications from Code Crew. You guys are doing truly like one of the most innovative nonprofits in Memphis, something we can all be proud of. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you so much. Bye. Bye. Find your happy with New Memphis Embark. Work-life balance, do you know it? As young professionals, finding your happy place as a person and a professional in your career can be overwhelming. That's where New Memphis comes in. Through the New Memphis Embark program, you'll get reacquainted with the city we call home, learn to maintain love and enthusiasm for your career, and elevate your skills even while on the clock. Let New Memphis reinvigorate and amplify your love of living and working in Memphis. Find your happy with New Memphis and apply for Embark today. Visit newmemphis.org for more information. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. Just a few last minute New Memphis news and announcements. Apply for Embark. Our window is closing, but we want you young professionals that are listening. We want your talent and we want to help you grow your skill set. So please, please, please go to newmemphis.org slash, oh, slash nominate and you can apply for Embark today. Sorry, that was a little, I forgot <laughs> a little bit. I was like, where am I sending people? <laughs> newmemphis.org backslash nominate. Yes. Um, also, as we're finishing up this year, um, we hope that you like what you heard today. We have been pouring ourselves into this project and are having so much fun talking to all of our amazing friends and leaders across Memphis and just hearing about their incredible projects. This is a great representation of the work that New Memphis does. We are a nonprofit that is working to elevate the voices of local leaders, develop local leaders, connect talent across all of these amazing sectors that are doing things here in our city. And at the end of the day, our mission is to make a more prosperous Memphis. It is to build a better future for our city, for everybody in our city. If that is a mission that makes sense to you, we want you to get involved. As Christy said, you can go to our website, newmemphis.org, and you can learn more about all of our programs. It's a great way to enrich yourself, meet new people, and also help us because you're being part of our work. The other way, again, is for, for you to give. We're a nonprofit. We are fueled by the generosity of this community. So whether you are an individual 
you're a foundation, you're a business. That is how we do our work. And that is how we make sure that this work is sustainable. Uh, obviously, this has been a funky year for everybody. If you're <laughs> That's a, a light way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're working in a nonprofit this year, we, we have you in our hearts as well. Um, so if, if what New Memphis does uh, is exciting to you, if shaping a brighter future for our city is something that's a priority to you, then I would love for you to put your money where your priorities are and make a donation to New Memphis. Uh, again, you can go to newmemphis.org and make a safe and secure gift there. Uh, and we thank you in advance. We thank you for being a part of our work. We thank you for listening. Um, this is an important part of what we do, just sharing a great positive story, celebrating what's going well in our city. So the fact that you have listened in today <laughs> is a gift in and of itself. Yes, and speaking of, we wanna hear from you guys. We want you to tell us how we're doing. If you're liking what you hear, please consider calling in to leave us a voicemail. Um, which interviews, you know, do you really enjoy? Did you learn something new about our city? We just want to hear it all. So please just give us a call at 901-460-3031. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Meanwhile in Memphis. That will do it for us this week. Uh, this is a program brought to, you by, brought to you by New Memphis in partnership with WYXR Radio and recorded here at OAM Networks. Thanks to all of you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR, produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins-Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.